0: Good morning. Oh, good morning. Good evening. Good something. Guten dog. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. We are uh, in the book of uh, Ezra, uh, which is the account of the Jews coming back now out of Babylonian captivity and starting to rebuild Jerusalem that had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, laid waste, and now they're going back as prophesied ahead of time. That God would restore them seven years later. Now the restoration is starting to take place. As we're going through the book of Ezra, we've been jumping to other books because it specifically references Haggai the prophet. So we read what Haggai had to say. Specifically uh, mentioned, uh, who's the other guy? So starts with a J. Come on, I went, what? Nobody can remember? Oh my gosh. Zechariah, Zechariah, no, Z, no, Zephaniah, was it? Zechariah. No, not Zechariah. Yeah, it was Zechariah. There we go. Thank you. Give her a cigar. Do you smoke cigars? You shouldn't. All right, so, yes, Haggai and Zechariah. Man, mental. I told someone earlier today, how would you ever know if I was going senile? You would never know. Say he doesn't remember anything. He's never remembered anything. How would you know? All right. So, so we read Zechariah. God bless him. Couldn't even think of his name. And uh, all the prophecies that he had about rebuilding the temple. And he also prophesied about Jesus coming. And he's the one who talked about Jesus coming as a uh, riding on a donkey and whatever. So that was all very cool. So then we got back to Ezra, and uh, talking about under the king Darius. Then all of a sudden it goes right from King Darius to talking about King Artaxerxes which is not the next king. He missed the king, the King Xerxes. Where we read about King Xerxes is in the story of Esther. So now we've jumped to Esther in our study of Ezra. Figure all that out. All right? So now we're reading about Esther. Now the story here is uh, King Xerxes has this uh, big party and he calls for his wife to come and uh, he wants to show her off because she's quite the cutie pie. And you think... Boy, what a nice thing. He wants to brag on your wife, but Queen Vashti didn't like it. Who knows what they had going on. She got mad. She refused to come. He gets really mad. He deposes her. She's not queen anymore. And now they set out this big search for a new queen. So they go out and they find all these drop-dead gorgeous young girls across the entire kingdom. And one of them caught up in this dragnet, if you will, was this young Jewish girl by the name of Esther. And uh, so she gets pulled into the harem of the king. Uh, They didn't really have... Well, I guess you had a choice. You could refuse and die, I suppose. But I think most of us would opt for something other than death, you know, if you had a choice. So she gets caught up. She's in this thing. And then, as the custom was, it's a little creepy to read it, but uh, what they would do with these girls is... And he who knows how big his harem was, I'm sure it was massive the most gorgeous women in the world. And they're very young. They're guessing anywhere between 13 and 16, which is the typical age of this situation. And they would find these girls, and then they would get like, I think Esther had what, seven attendants, who their job was to nothing but prim her and get her ready for a year. For a year of uh, her skin treatments and beauty treatments and oils and perfumes and everything. One whole year of just basting her for the one night when the king would call her. So the one night, you know, batter up, you're up next. So here comes Esther, spends the night with the king. What happened? I can only imagine. But anyway, uh, then after they've visited the king, they were put into the used harem lot. (laughs) Kind of new car lot, used car lot. So, uh, I know, horrifying by our standards. It is what it is. But then these girls would wait to see if they had... You know, the king liked him so much that he called him back again for, you know, an encore, you know, presentation later down the road. Well, he was so impressed with Esther, he calls her back and and decides to make her queen. So now she's the queen, all this big stuff. Now her, uh, 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 was it uncle, whatever, Mordecai, is uh, watching out for her and he's sitting by the gate and always looking to see how she's doing. He hears about this plot to kill kill the king. They're always trying to kill somebody over there, always deposing somebody. And he reports the plot, uh, and the king's people find out about it. They uncover the conspiracy, and the king is saved from the plot. And uh, so Mordecai is the guy who's responsible for this, although at this point, he didn't really get uh, much uh, credit for it. That's going to come a little bit later, so all going to play out. All right, so now... Chapter 3, verse 1. So this is where we pick it up. Chapter 3, verse 1. After these events, King Xerxes honored Haman, son of Hamaditha, the Agite, elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than that of all the other nobles. Certainly not higher than himself, but he was like the head honcho underneath him. And he lifted it up and gave him all this great honor. Why? We don't know. It doesn't matter. It's not germane to the story. Well, all the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman. For the king had commanded this concerning him. So, the rule is, this guy's a big ho-chimama dude. When he comes, everyone should bow in respect to the big guy, ho-chimama guy. So, uh, but Mordechai would not kneel down or pay him honor. Uh, now, this is up to debate as to why he didn't. We don't know why he didn't. Uh, you know, let's go, I'll come back to it a little bit. Then the royal officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why do you disobey the king's command? Day after day, they spoke to him, but he refused to comply. It wasn't like he had one shot at this. They kept saying, hey, you need to bow down, show honor to this guy. Uh, therefore, they told Haman, this guy that he refused to bow down to, about it to see whether Mordecai's behavior would be tolerated. Uh, for he had told them he was a Jew. Uh, now, so then we got to back up. And why was all this taking place? We don't know. Um, it could have been that uh, these guys elevated themselves up to the status of a god. If that were the case, then that's why he should not bow to him. But it doesn't say that. We don't know why he didn't do it. I mean, everybody's got their own speculations on it. I'm sure a lot of people smarter than me do. But best from what you read here, It doesn't say that he considered himself a king. It was that he had this place of honor. If anything, the Bible teaches us, honor those to whom honor is due. It's okay to pay respect to and bow and all this kind of stuff to people who, you know, you're supposed to respect people. Well, for some reason, Mordecai wouldn't do it. And it says because he was a Jew. So apparently it was from a Jewish perspective that it was, was improper. Was it truly improper? We don't know. I don't know. You don't know. But he wouldn't do it. So uh, he gets ratted out. And when Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. These people were always enraged. You didn't mess with these people. They would kill you. I kill you. They would kill you, man. These people would go after you no (laughs) no matter what, because you didn't mess with these. They would think nothing of killing people. So having learned that Mordecai's, who Mordecai's people were, the Jews, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. I don't want to just kill Mordecai. If anything, if Mordecai is disrespectful, you're off him, right? Well, that's not enough. He said, I'm not going to off him. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. He decides to kill them all. Now, this is not a good day if you're Jewish. Because now they're trying to kill everybody. And uh, we'll keep reading here. But I just want to stop and back up a bit. And I am strictly on theoretical ground here. Okay? And listen to me. Okay? Everybody put on your listening ears so I don't have a bunch of knee-jerk reactions to stuff. All right? me. Listen. I want to talk to you a little bit about this because we don't know what the motives were going here. Was... Mordecai obeying God by not bowing down on this guy? We don't know. It doesn't say based on what we're hearing. Now, one would, if you want to think everything he did was right, that's what you would have to imply. We don't know that. Or was this Mordecai being a jerk? We don't know. He didn't want to bow down to the guy. Why not? I'm Jewish. Well, what does that mean? Now, <laughs> I was discussing this <laughs> earlier, but, uh, you know, I don't have a problem if people hate us for our faith. Everybody say amen. Everybody hate us. for What I don't like is when people hate us because we're jerks. Somebody say amen. Okay? Now, there seems to be a fine line for some people between faith and jerk. Now, I know this line. I have crossed it at times in my own life. I've certainly been around people who, when it comes to their Christianity, they're just jerks. They shove it in people's faces. They're obnoxious about it. And when somebody, you know, knocks them down for it, they claim they're being persecuted for their faith. And I'm thinking, no, you're a jerk. I want to slap you, but I'm not supposed to. All right? So there's a fine line. Now, we don't know what was happening. We have to assume that he was doing something that was honoring God. It's just not really clear. It just set me off on this thing. Now I'm going to step into it. Y'all ready? That's why you come. Watch the pastor light himself on fire. Now, there's been so much in recent weeks and months of the attack of people against certain Christian people who, for example, don't want to sell a birthday, or not a birthday, a wedding cake to a gay couple. And then some of these governments have come down and they've hammered these people and everybody's screaming persecution, and listen, let me tell you, my personal opinion, I don't think the government should be able to tell you anything. I'm not a big government fan. You know? I don't think it should come in and tell you you've got to serve it. That's my personal opinion. All right? Now, I hope that the courts eventually will rule in favor of these people. I don't know. I don't know. But my personal fit opinion, OK? Don't be a jerk the stupid cake who cares well they're gay okay did you check out the last couple you baked a cake for and realize that that girl was a homewrecker and stole that guy from somebody else's wife that he committed adultery with you okay with that cake I never thought of that Or the guy who's fornicating his brains out with his girlfriend do you sell a cake to them I mean, seriously. Look, people, we should be living our faith as Christians. And certainly within the church, the rules are different than from outside the church. To expect people outside the church to act like we... My personal opinion, we Christians should be more like Jewish people. Jewish people are very strict about what they do and what they do not do. They follow the law of Moses. What they eat, what they do not eat. They have nothing to do with bacon. No bacon! Nope. They won't even eat something that hasn't been, that's not been cooked on a certain type of meat you got to clean it and baptize it and splash it with whatever before you can use it for another kind of meat. I mean, that's what they call kosher. I mean, they're really into it. But I promise you, these people have no problem selling you bacon. Right? You know how many Jewish people probably own food wholesale business and sell all kinds of stuff they would never touch in a million years? They don't care. You want to buy it? Here, here's my markup. Make some money, like anybody, like anybody should do. They don't think twice about it because we're not Jewish. They don't care. You think a Muslim person cares what you eat? They don't care what you eat, what you do, what you don't do. But in their world, they're very concerned. Why can't we be more like that? Why can't we be more like Jewish people? In our faith, and now if you come into the Jewish man and force them to eat bacon, now nah, you're going to have a problem. Wow. <laughs> All right, we're Gentiles. They don't really think a lot about Gentiles. We're non-Jewish. We're uncircumcised, creepy people to them. But they'll sell you a diamond. Praise God. They'll sell you a car. Say anything you want to buy it. Just like anybody, they just they do business. They're in the world. They do business with the world. They've got to live with the world. The Bible says we're in the world, but we're not of the world. That's just my personal opinion. If anybody forces you to sell something you don't want to sell it to, I'll be on your side. They shouldn't force you. But as your pastor, just sell them it. Why do you care? That's my personal opinion. Don't write me. I don't want to hear it. All right? You know, and everybody's cheering. I'm telling you this. If all kinds of anti-Christian legislation and laws pop up as a result of this person doing this, we're not going to be clapping so loud. You know? Let's draw a line in the sand where the line should be. Someone forcing you to do something against your faith, per se. That's a little bit, well, that's what they think that is, but really, you're out there selling to the world, they're just, they're t- why would you mean it? There's all kinds of people. You say, well, it's a sin, there's all kinds of things that are sin. I went through the list, you know, with all the sins, I got friends that fill every one of those. Now, they're not, by their own admission, they're not Christians, but I'm nice to them. They're my friends. It's, you know, I'm not super close with that kind of thing, but you're not supposed to get too super close to someone outside your faith, but... You're respectful and kind and hopefully at some point you can share your faith and they'll say, you know, I want to be like you and I want to follow the rules of what you're doing. Well, great. Praise the Lord. But you don't hate people because they're gay. You don't hate people because they're adulterers. You don't hate people because they're liars. You don't hate people because they're cheaters. You can't help people because they're selfish because that pretty much puts everybody in that category. They're people without Jesus. Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. Be nice to them. I, you know, I don't get it. So anyway, they say, well, I'm a Christian. Now, everybody thinks Christians are jerks. I'm going, I'm not with him. You know, I guess I am with him. He's a Christian. He's a brother. But, you know, it's always like you got a crazy cousin you sick in the basement. I got one back there, actually. <laughs> Hi, Carmen. <Kermit. laughs> no, she's wonderful. But I just, you know, they're family. You know, we all got crazy family. You know, they say, what about that guy? Who well, he's just part of the crazy family. You know, but I just, I just don't understand what the big deal is. Why don't you love people? If you don't want to do it, just jack up the price. <laughs> I do that. I'm not kidding you. I do work for all kinds of horrible people. Why do you do it? To minister to them? Nope. I take the money. These corporations that I speak up—they don't care about my values. They could care less. They have me coming because I'm funny. I'm a funny guy. They got a stupid meeting. They need somebody to entertain somebody for an hour. I'm your man. As long as the check clears, baby, I'm you there for you. Now, what they do—I don't think want to be a bunch of lying, cheating. Who knows what they are? But I do. Now, if I have a group I don't really want to do, I just jack up the price. I don't go into this whole thing. For years, I've had Muslims in Saudi Arabia asking me to come and do my presentation in their country. I don't want to go. Why not? Well, I can't imagine I'd say something wrong. Ah! You know what I'm saying? These aren't exactly the most tolerant people in the world. I can barely make it through a Sunday around here without making somebody mad. I ain't going over there. So what I said, no, I won't do anything with Muslims. Now, why would I do that? What they say is, how much do you charge? I go, $100,000? Well, that's kind of steep. Yeah, too bad. And then I don't go. If anything else, I'm more valuable now. <laughs> I think last time was 75 grand. Now, if they would have offered me $100,000 to talk for one hour, I'd probably gone. I'll tell you that right now. My wife says, you shouldn't go. I said, $100,000, I'm going. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm just going to be real careful. Take your money and run. But just, you know, I don't approve of you, so I'm not going to have any business with you. I don't approve of you. I'm not going to uh, do uh, you know, business with you. I'm not going to approve of you because you can't come in my store. I mean, you know, come on. Let's not ever be like that. Again, if someone is like that and they try and force you to do something that is so offensive to you, I'm with you. I don't think they should force you to do stuff that's against your conscience. I just question where their conscience is. Conscience based on what? Again, it's very selective. Unless you are checking out all the immoral people that have cheated on spouses and getting remarried and fornicated and gotten married. and It's all under the same list. Why are you just picking on gays? What's that about? You know, at least be consistent. Anyway, that's my... 10 cents about all that. Amen. Amen. All right. Be nice. So anyway, we don't know why Mordecai do it. The context assumes he was honoring God somehow. I don't see it. I think he's being a jerk. All right. Anyway, gets him in trouble. Not only is he going to get killed, now he want, they want to kill everybody. Because apparently this guy's had it. There's a bunch of other Jewish people that must have ticked him off. So he's had it up to here and he's going to wipe out the whole lot of them. Alright, so, in the twelfth year of King Xerxes, in the first month, the month of Nisan, the poor, which is the lot, they, they drew lots, he decided he's going to draw a lot to see when he's going to kill everybody. Very odd. Uh, and to this day, the Jews celebrate the Feast of Purim, which Benjamin Netanyahu talked about when he's speaking in front of Congress, about that they still celebrate Purim because they tried to kill a lot of Jews before, they're still trying to kill all the Jews. They've always been trying to kill the Jews, poor Jews, anyway. So they cast this lot in the presence of Haman to select a day and month. And the lot fell on the twelfth month, the month of Adar. Then Haman said to King Xerxes, look, there's a certain people dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different than those of other people. They don't want to obey the king's laws. Uh, It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them and I will give 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury. Apparently, this guy was very loaded. So the guy says, yeah, let me kill these people. And I'll give you all this money just to kind of help things around here. just you know. And now remember, he's really buddies with the king. Well, so the king took a signet ring from his finger, gave it to Haman, son of whatever, the enemy of the Jews. He said, ah, keep your money. I don't need your money. Uh, and do with these people as you please. He didn't care. These people were cold-blooded guys. Killing people meant nothing to them. That's why you didn't make them mad. You didn't tick them off. So anyway, so the plot's underway. This guy now, ticked off by Mordecai, is out to kill everybody. Well, then on the 13th day of the first month, the royal secretaries were summoned. They wrote out in the script of each province and in the language of each people all Haman's orders to the king's satraps and the governors of the various provinces and the nobles of various peoples. These were written in the name of King Xerxes himself and sealed with his own ring. Dispatches were sent by couriers all the king's provinces in the order in, with the order to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the Jews. Young and old, women and children... On a single day, the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods, which means here's... A, so they had this big official declaration that goes out from the king, kill them all, but you kill them on this day and then take everything they own. Whew. Well, a copy of the text of the edict was to be issued as law in every province, province and made known to the people of every nationality so they'd be ready for that day. Well, the curries went out, spurred on by the king's command, and the edict was issued in the citadel of Susa. The king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa was bewildered. What, what, what is this? Well, when Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth and ashes, and he went into the city wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter into it. In every province to which the king, in which the, and the edict and the order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Why? This is serious. This is really serious. This edict has gone out. Everyone who is Jewish, children, young, old babies, little old people, it didn't matter. Everyone's supposed to be killed on that one day. How bizarre is this, huh? So everybody's freaking out. Well, when Esther's eunuchs and female attendants came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. What's with Mordecai? He's at the gate. He's in sackcloth. So she sent clothes for him to put on instead of the sackcloth, but he wouldn't accept them. Then Esther, uh, uh, Esther summoned Hathak. Remember, Esther's queen at this time. One of the king's eunuchs assigned to attend her and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai. and Why? What's the deal? Why, why, why won't he come in? Why won't he put on the clothes? So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, uh, to show to Esther and to explain it to her. And he told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence and to beg for mercy and to plead for, with him for her people. All right? Now Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law. They are to be put to death unless the king extends the golden scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. So they didn't even... The queen wasn't even allowed to go. The queen herself. Unless the king... Summoned her. The law was anyone who went to see the king without being summoned was a death penalty unless he extends his scepter to them, pardons them, and then listens to what they have to say, which was probably an 80, 20 <laughs> prospect at best. Chances are you're going to get offed. So what happens is Mordecai says, Look, this is what happened. Again, we can debate why it happened. Mordecai. Why did you do this? I don't know, but he did it. Maybe there was a context. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. All we know is what happened. Now, all the Jews are in trouble. And he's saying to Esther, listen, you have to go to the king and ask him to spare our lives. She says, I can't go to the king. you kill me. He says, you can't just walk in. It's been 30 days since he's even called me to go be with him. Now, when Esther's words were reported back to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Uh, Do you, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And then this is a very famous verse that's uh, quoted many times. Uh, and it's found right here in Esther, says, and who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. That's the famous quote. That's the encouraging words back to Esther. She is now in this incredible position as the queen, queen of Persia. All this massive power that goes with it. But again, uh, she's concerned. I don't want to die over this. He says, look, you just don't think they're not going to get you at some point. And even if you know, God uses somebody else to come in and save us. You know, if, if somebody doesn't do something, you or your family, everybody's going to die. And they just question, who knows, but for such an hour as this, you were born. Who knows that for this very reason, you're at where you are at. Why are you at where you're at? Oftentimes, it's easy to think, you know, I'm a hero, I'm a mistake, I'm here because somebody did something to me or somebody done somebody wrong and I got ripped off and I should have had this and I should never be in a position I'm at and now I'm in this sucky place and all these sucky circumstances. And, but who knows what impact you can have in somebody else's life, many, many, many people's lives. Who knows but for such a time as this, you're put in the very place that you're at right now. So well, how do I know that? You don't know that. Esther didn't know that. For that matter, neither did Mordecai. He just said, who knows? Maybe this is the reason where you're at. I mean, stop and think from Esther's standpoint. She gets pulled away from her family. She's 13, 14, 15 years of age. Absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. She's got to be thrown in a harem for a guy who gets a different chick every night. I mean, how happy is she about this? If she doesn't get called back, that's it for her. Now she just stays in the used... <laughs> for the rest of her life the good news is they're taking care of for the rest of their lives but not the husband she'd dreamed of not the children she'd hoped to have not the there be lots of reasons why me? why me God? why, why am I here? I shouldn't be here I, I was hoping for this I was hoping for that you know it's easy to whine and belly ache and sometimes I mean some of our whining and belly is legit Some of us have been wronged terribly. It is relationships, meanness, unfairness, jobs that you lost, totally unjustified. Someone lied about something you, they said you did, which you never did. Now you're somewhere else. You just never know. You know, that's why we as people of faith, we trust that in all things, God can turn our situation around for the good. Does that mean God May those bad things happen to you? No. It doesn't say God plans everything. It just says God can turn everything for his good. There's no circumstance that happens to you, no ripoff that's so horrible, no injustice, so horrifying and out of place that God goes, look at your life and goes, Oh, I got nothing. You know, man, I wish I could help you, lady, but you know, wow, never thought that would be happening to anybody. There's not a situation at your room where God looks and goes, I can't do it. The Bible tells us he can turn all your circumstances around for his good. Doesn't mean he engineered that somebody would break your heart. He didn't engineer that someone would lie and steal and cheat or hurt you or whatever thing that you've gone through that puts you where you're at in life. All the injustices you've suffered, he didn't do it. God isn't in the habit of hurting people. He's in the habit of blessing people. However, no matter how horrible your circumstances, it's never overwhelming to him. He can turn all your circumstances to good. So the famous words, going back to Esther, who knows? Who knows but the reason that you got pulled away from your family, you got thrown into this world you didn't want to be in, being with a man that there couldn't have been much of an emotional connection with him at all, all of a sudden you're the queen. Who knows that maybe God didn't, put you in here for such a time as this. Well then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. All right. Go gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for 3 days night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. And when this is done I will go to the king even though it's against the law. And if I perish I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. So they pray. Everybody pray, serious prayer. We're not going to eat, man. We're just going to pray for three days. She prays for three days. No eating. Just totally focusing their heart on God, asking for a miracle. And this is no small deal. Again, you know, just in, in modern days, I mean, the, the, the parallel is amazing. Persia, which is today Iran, is still trying to kill all the Jews, which is what Netanyahu was saying when he gave his speech. You know, they're, you, they're freaking about it now. And that's a maybe if, and if they get the bomb and who knows what ifs. These people, there's no question. They're all going to die on this day. I mean, how creepy is that? I mean, if you could open up an envelope and find out what day you're going to die, would you look? I don't want to (laughs) know. Who wants that over their heads? These guys know exactly. It's heavy. It's a big stinking deal. And on the third day, Esther put on her royal robes, thinking, if I perish, I perish. Who knows? Maybe that's why I'm even here in the first place. She went and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he could have immediately had her killed. But the Bible said he was pleased with her and he held out to her the golden scepter that was in, her, in his hands. If I'm Esther, I'm like, oh man. <laughs> Thank God for the scepter. All right? So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. She was okay. She could come in. Well, then the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. Now, I don't know what the history is on this. I guess I could have studied it, but I didn't want to work that hard. But you see this throughout the Bible. Oftentimes, what was it? Even uh, Herod, remember when... uh, you know, the girls, his wife's daughter came and danced, ting, 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 doing her belly dancing, and he was so impressed. Oh, that was fabulous. Oh, that was great. Ask whatever you want, I'll give it up to you until half the kingdom. Now, I don't know that anybody ever asked for half the kingdom. Personally, I'd have said, half the kingdom? Okay, let's go with that. You know, why didn't they ask that? Because they probably knew the very next thing they would see was a blade coming for their heads. So I think it was just a way of boasting, but I don't think anyone ever asked because there's no way these, these guys don't give up anything. I'm going to give you half that kingdom, you know, so it's just a, a way of saying, I'll give you whatever you want, up to half the kingdom, hogwash, no one's going to guess for half the kingdom. So whatever you want, sweetie pie, up to half the kingdom, what do you want? And she says, if it pleases the king, replies Hester, Esther, let the king together with Haman Come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. The king said, you want us to go to lunch? We'll go to lunch. Bring Haman at once, the king said, so that we all may do as Esther asks. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. As they were drinking wine, the king asked her again, okay, now, what, what's your petition? It will be given to you. What's your request? Even up to half of the kingdom." It will be granted. Esther replied, My petition and my request is this. If the king regards me with favor and it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come back tomorrow to the banquet I prepared. So we just did lunch. Tomorrow I'm up and up the ante. We're going to do a big Yo Mama banquet. And then I will answer the king's question. Well, Haman went out of that day happy and in high spirits. Very high spirits. When he saw Mordecai at the king's gate and observed that he never rose or showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. Again, I don't understand this, why he's not showing respect to the guy. I don't get it. Again, read some Bible scholars. I'm sure somebody's got an idea, but it doesn't say. Calling together his friends and Zerush, his wife Haman boasted to them about his vast wealth his many sons, and all the way the, kings had, the king had honored him and how he had elevated him above all the other nobles and officials. And that's not all. <laughs> not ever am I good looking. Not only do I have everything, I am rich. Not only got all kinds of rugrats all over the place, I got many sons. I am the king's favorite. I am the man. And he's boasting his family. Man, y'all lucky to see me today because I am something else. That's not all, Haman added. I'm the only person Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to the banquet she gave. I'm the man. And she has invited me along with the king tomorrow. But all this gives me no satisfaction as long as I see that stupid Jew Mordecai sitting at the king's gate. So he had to bring that up. So he's still ticked. Well, his wife Jerush and all his friends said to him, Man, have a pole set up reaching to a fi- height of 50 cubics, and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai impaled on it. That's what they did. That's how they punished people. <laughs> they took them and they just made human shish kebabs out of people. Ooh! So he said, just get a big yo mama pole and then say, king, I want to kill that guy because he's taking me off. All right? So they you not have Mordecai impaled on it. Then go to the king to the banquet and enjoy yourself. <laughs> Seriously? I impale somebody. I ain't eating nothing, man. Oh! So this thing is, you know, gorge the guy through, stick him up in the air, hang like, you know, a piece of meat, and then go enjoy yourself. And this suggestion delighted Haman, and he had the pole set up. So everything is set. Dun, 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 the music's building. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? I don't know. You have to come back next Wednesday and I'll tell you. All right? God bless you. See you on Sunday. Bye bye.